as we walk through Psalm 126 together. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we implore you to hear our prayers and to lighten the darkness of our hearts by your gracious visitation. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. Our Old Testament reading today is found from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4, and then carry on through 8 through 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring of the Lord, has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in, in to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading today is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. 
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise and honor the gospel. From John's gospel in the first chapter. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. And they asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie, these things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the gospel of our Lord. Maybe seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for once again gathering us together into your presence to hear your word and receive your gifts. We pray that as there are many things that would distract our hearts and minds from you, that you would work by your spirit. Remove those distractions. Let us hear of your love for us in Jesus and the joy that you bring into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This time of year is definitely a year of gift giving. I'm sure many of you uh, may have already had an opportunity to be at a Christmas party and receive gifts of some sort of gift exchange. And it started to make me think of different gifts that have been given kind of throughout history. And there's a a handful that really stood out to me, all right? Uh, First off, let's go back like before Jesus was even born. Really special gift. Uh, from the Greeks to the city of Troy. Big horse, right? Maybe not the kindest gift. I mean, the horse was full of an army, and they kind of wanted to take over the town, and hopefully you don't receive any gifts like that or give any gifts like that. Um, Nowadays, they might come in the form of like a really overly scented candle. Um, If you receive one of those and you open it up and kind of (laughs) go, right? All right, so that was one a long, long time ago. Um, Let's move forward in history a little bit to the 1500s. In 1514, there was a really interesting gift that was given. It was given by the king of Portugal to Pope Leo X. You know what it was? Hanno the White Elephant. Huh, it's kind of 
fun, huh? Hanno the White Elephant, they actually marched it all the way from India, all the way up into Italy, and brought it to Pope Leo X and handed it over to him, this smaller pachyderm that lived only to be about six years old um, because the Pope thought gold could fix everything and laced its food with gold, and the elephant died. It's sad. It is. But what a gift. I mean, can you imagine somebody walking an elephant up to you and being like, here you go. Okay, from there to the 1600s. 1600s, there's a very famous monument in India, since we were just talking about elephants, and it's the Taj Mahal, right? Beautiful white marble structure that was actually made as a mortuary kind of thing. Um, It's a mausoleum for the current emperor's wife as she had died in labor on her 14th child. Whew, right? But to honor her, he had this whole beautiful thing built. There's a whole lot of other history behind that between him and his son that gets really interesting as well. And if you look across the river, there's actually going to be a mirror version of it in black marble that was supposed to be his, but it never got built. And so he and his wife were then buried together in that one. Okay, 1600s into the 17, oh no, 1800s. Let's move to the 1800s. 1800s, we have a wonderful gift actually. If you go over to our East Coast, uh, you get to see a big birthday gift for the United States, right? The Statue of Liberty, 1880s is when that was given. 1900s, there was this gorgeous egg made. Early 1900s, Tsar Nicholas II had given it to his wife, right? 1907, I think, was the time. Fabergé egg. They'd been made for many, many years before that. But the special thing about this one was that there was a war going on between Russia and Japan, and it was illegal to make Fabergé eggs. Unless you're the czar, then you make an egg. And so he made this egg, and it was encrusted with all kinds of beautiful things, and with diamonds even. And if you open the egg up, there was a diamond necklace in there, and there was a beautiful little carving in ivory of him and his wife. This is gorgeous, beautiful gift that was given to her. I started to think, there's, there's many beautiful gifts that we give. And, I mean, just think back to your wedding, even, or a birthday, or even a Christmas. These different gifts that people give to bring us joy, to turn things around, maybe, right? Some folks really like receiving gifts. Some folks really like giving gifts. And I had to think about all this stuff as we're reading this Isaiah text. And we start to see this beautiful picture that Isaiah is presenting of the Lord coming in and kind of flipping everything upside down. I don't know if you quite heard it in there, but what were the gifts and the things that were coming in? First off, what were the people bringing? The state in which he he said the people were in. First off, he said they were sitting in a place of poverty. They were sitting in a place of brokenheartedness. They were sitting in a place where they were bound in things they had done. They were bound by words they had said. They were bound by all kinds of things that did not allow them freedom at all. And they were sitting in a place of mourning, sadness, knowing that things were not right. Have you sat there before? It's a hard place to sit. 
It's an even harder place to sit when we think about the fact that there are many situations where we bring that upon ourselves, even. But I want you to think of going to a gift-giving setting, whatever the setting may be, and if you were to walk in and give a gift of ashes, none of you smiled. It's not necessarily a gift that we would bring that would bring much joy. Now, these came from my barbecue, just for clarity. But can you imagine if I showed up with this and said, you know what, I've cooked many a steak, a hamburger, a piece of fish on these, and, and here I want you to have them. You're welcome. <laughs> what would you do with them? I mean, there's nothing to do with them. They're, they're just ashes. You yeah, sprinkle them on your roses maybe, right? Okay, so, so there's some stuff like that. But in Isaiah's text, this is what the people would wear on their heads because of mourning. They were so sad and so distraught to the point to mark their mourning, they would put ashes on their heads and they would cover themselves in it. Everything would become drab. There would be no glossiness. Everything would be dry and crusty. I mean, have you ever emptied out barbecue ashes and gotten them on your hands? How dry your hands feel at that point? And it's just not a lot to have fun with. Nowhere near as good as Legos. Nowhere near as good as a bottle of wine, I mean, really anything, right? So you just sit with these ashes. And in Isaiah's text, that's what the bride brings to the wedding. As you hear this beautiful matrimonial setup between a bridegroom and a bride, and the place at which the bride is coming from, instead of a dowry of beautiful things, instead of gold from her father, instead of all these other things, she brings ashes, mourning, poverty, sadness, brokenheartedness. It doesn't sound like a wonderful gift to bring to a wedding. In our sin, that's what we bring to God. Brokenheartedness, sadness, mourning, all these things at which we don't necessarily have control over a lot of times, and, and then when our sin actually causes that for others, that's a horrible thing too. And that's what we lift up to God and say, this is what we got, hands covered in ashes. That's all I can bring. But did you hear the other side of Isaiah's text? It's beautiful. For those in poverty, he was bringing wealth, not just monetary wealth, but righteousness, beautiful things. For those who were bound, he was bringing freedom. For those who were mourning, he brought joy, an absolute joy, something that doesn't well up from within ourselves, but something that God has given to us because there's a bigger story than what we bring to the table. There's what God does and what he brings to the table. And as Isaiah would prophesy about this meeting of the Lord and his creation, this work that God was going to do in the role of a bridegroom for his bride, the church, for his people, as they would come in covered in ashes, he would put upon them a beautiful headdress. He would get them ready for a celebration. 
He would wrap them up in robes of righteousness. He would cover them with salvation. And that's what He has done for you in Christ. And so in all the moments where we see things that are broken around us, when we see the drabness of ashes covering over our hearts and covering over everything around us and all the things that are broken and don't make sense and aren't right and the things that we would want different but can't do anything about, God walks right into the middle of it and says, yeah, I'll change that. In fact, I'm going to plant things right in the middle of it so that you won't see the drabness. Sure, bring the ashes. I'll plant roses, right? I'm going to cover you with joy. I'm going to show you my love. I'm going to lift you up out of those ashes. I'm going to anoint you with oil. I'm going to give to you all the things that are necessary that you can't do for yourself, but that I'm going to cover you with. And those beautiful words of Isaiah point us exactly to God's actions for us in Jesus. As he took on our ashes, as he was covered in our sins, as he was broken by all the things that needed judgment and God laid his judgment down upon his son and said, here, you carry the judgment so that when you rise from the grave in your glorious purity, we can hand over that to our people so that they wouldn't always be covered with what hurts, but they would be covered by the love of the Father, by the promise that he has made to Adam and Eve and to Abraham and to Moses and to Isaac and Jacob and everybody along the way is he would then speak it into your ears and your baptism to say, you are mine and I wash you of all the things that would separate you from me. I wash you clean from those ashes. I wash you clean from the morning. I wash you clean from being bound in sin. I wash you clean from your spiritual poverty. I wash you clean from all of those things that you would be wrapped in the beautiful robes of righteousness, the glorious headdress put on Christ, to know that you are His. And He gathers you into that relationship and gathers you into His presence to celebrate the fact that you are alive in Him. That in the midst of our mourning, He continues to speak joy, continues to speak hope, continues to speak love, continues to speak peace, and continues to speak His Word into your ears so that you would know that you are forgiven and filled with joy because of Jesus. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, there are times we certainly don't feel joyful, yet we know that because of your work, joy is something that you have handed over to us as a gift. We pray that when Satan takes our eyes away from you, that you would work by your Spirit to point us back to what you have done for us in Jesus, that our hearts would be filled with joy, even in the middle of sad things, knowing that the day will come when Christ will come back, gather us into his presence, and the only thing that will remain is your love for us and the joy of being in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.